Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Well, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of debate over this word recession. The same people who can't define woman now cannot define recession. So consider the source. Now, the truth is we are in a recession and we've been in a recession And now the official Washington numbers tell us we're in a recession. But the propagandists who run the government, whether it's the Fed or whether it's the White House or whether it's Congress, and their mouthpieces and the corrupt media are all of a sudden confounded about what an official recession is. We're not only in a recession, we have inflation. Now, raise your hand if you know what a recession with inflation equals. Anybody? Stagflation. Stick with me, folks. I know what I'm talking about. We've moved from a mere recession, such as it is, and mere inflation, such as it is, into stagflation. And some of the biggest hedge fund operators in the, in the world, it turns out today, agree with me. Not that they're experts. But a recession plus inflation equals stagflation. Now, the Democrats want to create a depression. A depression. How do you create a Depression. Well, when you have a recession plus inflation and you contribute to it even more by spending more money and taxing the private sector, 
spending more money, borrowing more money, which contributes to more inflation, taxation, which increases the nature of the recession, that is a worse recession, a worse inflation, stagflation becomes depression. That's the way it is. And since Joe Biden fancies himself Franklin Roosevelt, he really desperately wants to get us into depression. But he'll blame big oil, he'll blame the private sector, big meat, big tampon, whatever it is. That's what he'll do. Now, the media lie. They lie incessantly. They lie obsessively. They're corrupt. They're ideologues. They're ignoramuses. Just as they lie about January 6th and Trump, just as they lie about Russia collusion, just as they lie about the border, just as they lie about everything else. They're in goose step with the Democrat Party because they're part of the Democrat Party, unofficially, but might as well be officially. So we take a listen to this montage from our friends at Graby and cut one go. All signs are that this is a strong economy and the probability of a recession within the next year is not particularly elevated. It's a strong economy and, and nothing about it suggests that it's that it's close to or vulnerable to a recession. I don't expect a recession. No, no one is predicting a recession now. We are not expecting that we are already in the recession. In fact, the guts and the bones of this economy remain strong. These are not the marks of an economy in recession right now we don't see a recession right now that is not we're not in a recession right now this is not an economy that's in recession not only is a recession not inevitable but i think that a lot of people are underestimating those strengths and the resilience of the american economy we have a strong labor market which you don't normally see in a recession a recession is broad-based weakness in the economy we're not seeing that now in your view is a recession in the united states inevitable no. Typically, economists date a recession as being at least two quarters of negative growth uh, and, other com- and other factors, which we have not seen at all. The idea that uh, two quarters of negative GDP growth is a technical definition of a recession is wrong. A common definition of recession is two negative quarters of GDP growth. Two quarters of negative growth in a row, that's a recession. Right, and certainly in terms of the technical definition, it's not a recession. The technical definition considers a much broader spectrum uh, of data points. What is exactly the White House's definition of a recession? Again, we don't, we don't, I'm not going to define it from here. How worried should Americans be that we could be in a recession? We're not going to be in a recession. Nobody, including especially the White House and especially Joe Biden, is going to sugarcoat any of this. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm not concerned about a recession. And, I mean, you're always concerned about a recession. Well, that clears things up. ABC, CBS, we're not really in a recession. Our friends at Newsbusters point that out. This is today. Cut to go. The thing we are looking for later today, that GDP report that some economists believe could show the second straight quarter of declines in our economic activity. One way that people define a recession is not the official definition of a recession. We're looking at this and we're hearing about recession. It's almost like a buzzword now. Um, Are we in a recession? Well, I mean, look, we don't know. Typically, if GDP falls for a second quarter in a row, that could signal a looming recession. But the Biden administration 
administration has been insisting that that is not the case this time around, that the economy is simply recalibrating after a post-pandemic boom. And then we have Brian Deese, who's been everywhere because he's a moron, economic advisor to Biden. Cut eight, Mr. Producer, go. We don't want to devolve into the recession label debate, but I, I do wonder, do you eventually expect the NBER to declare what we're in, a recession? Well, we're certainly in a transition and we are seeing slowing as we all would have expected. But I think if you look at the full data and the type of data that NDER looks at, uh, virtually nothing signals that uh, this period in the second quarter uh, is recessionary. Obviously, in the labor market, 3.6% unemployment, but also 1.2 million jobs in the second quarter, 2.7 million jobs over the first half of this year. That's not uh, what a typical people or what the NDER would typically think of uh, as recessionary. If you've never heard of the NBR before, that's okay. It's another shiny object. I wonder if there are any women on the NBR. Women, you know. People with vaginas. I'm just saying that is the typical definition of a woman. I hope I haven't offended. I mean, it's just genitalia. So we're not in a recession unless it's a Republican who's president of the United States with two quarters of negative growth. And the NBR or whatever the hell it is uh, hasn't told us we're in a recession. So I guess we're not in a recession. You know, Reagan used to blast stuff like this. So let me see if I can paraphrase Reagan. Paraphrase. You're not in a recession if you're a Democrat in Washington, if you're a reporter in Washington, or if you're a lobbyist in Washington, you are in a recession if you're anyone and everyone else. That's the Mark Levin official definition of a recession. They're telling us it's not really inflation, not really a recession until somebody, somebody tells you we're in a recession. And on top of that, gas prices are actually low. They've gone down fastest on record, but they went up fastest on record. But who's counting? Again, baby formula almost absent. Again, the price of food through the roof. Again, farmers are not able to plant as many crops as they did the prior year due to the cost of fertilizer. Again, they want you to feel pain at the pump. That's Buttigieg. So they're driving up the cost of gasoline and so forth. But here we are, ladies and gentlemen. Inflation plus recession. Recession plus inflation. We have stagflation, which nobody else is talking about. Now, Schumer, who is unaffected by the recession, he's been on the government payroll longer than Joe Biden was, I think. Nancy Pelosi, another one on the government payroll for over three decades. And, of course, Joe Biden, been on the government payroll uh, since birth. They're not affected by the recession. As a matter of fact, let's be honest. I speak the truth, but let's be honest. Even though costs are going up for people who work for the government, I understand it. 
they're not facing the same problem as most people are in the private sector. Where things are being slashed, it's just a matter of catching up with reality. With reality. We have John Avalon. John Avalon, who used to be a Republican. Now he's just a moron. He's on CNN today. Didn't cost much to buy him off, I don't think. Whatever amount he's earning over there. Cut 10, go. I, I do think that yesterday could look in the rear mirror as one of the biggest legislative days in, in, in recent American history. If you look at its impact on the economy between the CHIPS Act about China yeah, competitiveness, huge technology, investment. huge yeah. deal. Right, you know, and then on top of that, the surprise mansion Schumer deal that deals with lowering prescription drug prices has implications to the economy, raises revenue. So those two those two factors, which are political, are also countervailing forces to this number. Complete sellout buffoon. Complete sellout buffoon. The CHIPS Act. 50-some billion dollars to Silicon Valley, effectively. The wealthiest industry on the face of the earth needs you, the American taxpayer, the plumber, the electrician, the construction worker, the secretary, the janitor, the landscaper, the accountant, Needs you, the nurse. Needs you, the blue-collar worker, the white-collar worker. In other words, the working class to subsidize them because otherwise they're not going to invest in chip-making. Is that about right? Now, where does this $50 billion come from? Same place all the rest of it comes from. The way you entice, motivate the private sector is to get out of their way, number one, and slash their taxes, number two, so they have more available resources and capital for research and development. The private sector is incentivized by what we call capitalism, not government. That's why despite hundreds of billions spent on solar panels and propellers and all the rest, We don't have industries in that regard. So their hate, their contempt for capitalism is so deep, it's so thoroughly ideological, they won't embrace the mechanism by which you can actually achieve these things. And John Avalon, obviously, is a low IQ moron because he's talking about taxes during stagflation. Taxes! But don't worry, we're just sucking it to the billionaires. Just to the rich. You don't tax, increase taxes on anybody during the course of stagflation. Anybody. Because just because somebody's a billionaire doesn't mean they don't have investments that improve the lot of many, many people in the middle class. Employment, services, technologies, What have you? You don't raise taxes in the middle of a recession. You don't spend money in the middle of an inflation. But what do I know? What do I know? And now we know more about the Schumer Mansion reconciliation bill. Nearly a trillion dollars. 
And Manchin has always been what I told you. He's the Manchurian candidate, the Manchinian candidate. We had the Manchurian president. We had the Manchinian senator. I'll explain in a moment. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So on top of all this, Schumer and the Manchinian candidate, Manchin, have been working behind the scenes to stab the American people in the back, including the people of West Virginia. The way that CNBC puts it, Senate Majority Leader Schumer and Manchin unveiled a long-anticipated reconciliation package that would invest hundreds of billions of dollars to combat climate change and advance clean energy programs. Imagine that. They call it the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. Remember what I've said. Any department name or any bill name is the opposite of what it claims to be. Inflation Reduction $369 billion for climate and clean energy provisions, the most aggressive climate investment ever taken by Congress. So, ladies and gentlemen, $370 billion to do what? The package would curb the country's carbon emissions by 40% in the next eight years. This is according to the summary of the deal. They spend money and they're able to tell you what they're going to do, which, of course, is a lie. But that said, that will be the destruction of the use of fossil fuels and much of electricity. Now, I want to go through this because they're sneaking this through. They're going to vote on it next week. I'll be right back. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. 
To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. This is the Ministry of Truth. The Mark Levin Show. Call in now, 877-381-3811. So, folks, I want you to know, among other things, that this bill includes $80 billion for the Internal Revenue Service to hire tens of thousands of auditors. The government is going to sick these people on you because they don't think you're paying enough taxes. And that's one way they hope to make money. That's one of their revenue centers, profit centers, they claim. And Manchin is behind this, as well as others. $10 billion investment tax credit to manufacturing facilities for things like electric vehicles. Well, who's going to get this $10 billion? Who's making electric vehicles, Mr. Producer? The major auto manufacturers, right? So you're going to be subsidizing Silicon Valley to the tune of tens of billions. You're going to be subsidizing the auto manufacturers to the tune of $10 billion. Investment tax credit. And also for wind turbines and solar panels, $30 billion. For additional production tax credits to accelerate domestic manufacturing of solar panels? How did that go last time when Biden was in charge of that? Wind turbines, batteries, critical materials, processing. Also include up to $20 billion in loans to build new clean vehicle manufacturing facilities across the U.S. $2 billion to revamp existing auto plants to make clean vehicles. So this money's being taken from the working class and being given to multi-billion dollar global corporations and their corporatists. That's what's being done. Cutting emissions. $20 billion for the agriculture sector. $3 billion to reduce air pollution at, air, at, at ports. Ports of call. Also includes unspecified funding for a program to reduce methane emissions, methane emissions from cows and so forth. This is the insanity. I guess they're going to have big plugs, right, Mr. Producer? We'll see flying cattle over a period of time. Now, they say it's often a byproduct of oil and gas production and a more than 80 times as potent as carbon dioxide in warming the atmosphere. So here we have CNBC regurgitating what the radicals say. In addition, the act allocates $9 billion for the federal government to buy American-made clean technologies, including $3 billion for the U.S. Postal Service to buy zero-emission vehicles. This is going to be great. They're going to be breaking down. You're not going to get the mail. $27 billion for clean energy technology accelerators. I have no idea what that is. $5 billion in grants to support healthy forests, forest conservation, urban tree planting. $2.6 billion in grants to conserve and restore coastal habitats. Of course, the states get $30 billion in grant loan programs for electric utilities to advance the clean energy transition. Environmental justice initiatives amounting to more than sixty. Billion dollars. This is another handout. Almost 10% of the money to the radical left to bring lawsuits 
$7,500 tax credit to buy new electric vehicles. $4,000 credit for buying a used one. Oh, boy. In other words, it's another massive, radical left, ideological spending bill. But you got the class warfare in there, too. 15% minimum corporate income tax. Because all these corporations don't pay taxes. I don't know. Really? I don't believe that all these corporations don't pay taxes. But let's pretend for a moment. Stick with me. Let's pretend for a moment that the 10 biggest corporations don't pay any federal income tax. And most of them hate us, by the way. Most of them are in the Democrat Party's back pocket now. Most of them have corporate boards and executives who are woke, who come out of the same institutions as the rest of the crazies. They create employment where people pay taxes. They purchase things where companies pay taxes. They develop things that result in the paying of taxes. So, to say that no taxes are paid is preposterous. Furthermore, who wrote these laws to begin with? The ruling class wrote these laws. And then they complain about the very laws that they wrote. How long has Joe Biden been in the Senate? 36 years? And he acts like, well, look at this. Manchin's been in there a long time. Schumer's been in there 112 years. Pelosi's been in there 312 years. And they go, raised at the attack code. It's not fair. They wrote it. And they've been there forever. And they've been there forever. But what's worse about all this is you have no input. None. There's not enough time. There's not enough time. So if the economy is shrinking, the, do- the value of the currency is devaluing. So you have recession, inflation, stagflation, and their answer is to raise taxes. You don't raise taxes on anything or anyone. You slash them. Slash them. So people can go okay, can do well, can go forward with their lives. Well, the interest rates are going up. So you have interest rates going up. You have a tax increase. You have more borrowing. The purpose of interest rates going up is to try and slow down inflation, which results from too much spending. And it would be nice if the Fed chairman would open his big mouth every now and then and point that out. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Now, one of the reasons they hated Trump is because he wasn't part of this Washington operation. He wasn't part of this Washington operation. He looked at the working class. He would look at the middle class. I used to call him the, uh, what did I call him? The billionaire, I forget. 
the working class, the working class billionaire. No, no, the blue collar billionaire. That's what I used to call him, the blue collar billionaire. That's what he is. That's why so much of blue collar America loves Trump. That's why so much of blue collar America loves Trump. Because that's his focus. And he slashed taxes. This is a huge problem. Any Republican who votes for this needs to be voted out of office. That's it. House, Senate, that's it. That's it. Case closed. Now, when we come back, I want to get into this. I got so much. By the way, next hour, Cash Patel will be here. Who is he? He was chief of staff at the Department of Defense. In the latter days of the Trump administration, the committee has put out a tape of the former acting secretary of defense where they suggest the committee that he was denying that Trump had authorized the use of 20,000 National Guardsmen. In that same meeting was Cash Patel, as well as General Milley, by the way, and the inspector general indicated that that, in fact, is what Trump did. And in fact, the administration did did offer National Guardsmen. That's according to the Inspector General. But I want to deal with this because it goes to the heart of the matter. One other thing. We're going to have a killer Sunday, Life, Liberty, and Levin. I really hope you can listen to the monologue. Because I dive deeply into the subject. I'm trying to educate as many Americans as I can about the Constitution and about what's going on here. And if you and your family and others can watch this, I think it's very, very important. If you can't watch it live, at least DVR it. At least DVR it. Because I think it's crucially important. When we come back... uh, What should I do? I got so much here and I only have three hours. That's what kills me. There was a piece in The American Thinker that I thought was really, really good. And I want to get to that. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Folks, it's no secret that Americans are more divided than ever, and it's not just over what policies will improve our great country. No, it's over whether America is great at all, whether America deserves our love. That's why Imprimus, Hillsdale's Digest of Liberty, is so important. Imprimus looks at the issues of the day from a constitutional perspective, reminding citizens always of our great heritage of liberty. For 50 years, Imprimus has featured speeches given at Hillsdale events by the smartest conservative thinkers and writers. These days, Hillsdale publishes people like Victor Davis Hanson, Molly Hemingway, and Chris Rufo. Over 6.2 million American households and businesses receive Imprimus absolutely free, and I urge you to sign up for it today at absolutely no charge. I always look forward to receiving my copy of Imprimus. My friends at Hillsdale and I want you to have a free subscription as well. To get your free subscription, go to levinforhillsdale.com right now. L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. So this bill has massive corporate tax increases. It has massive government interference by the federal government and left-wing groups. Tens of billions of dollars. More 
funding for litigation to interfere in oil drilling and oil pipelines, the war on the private energy industry is funded by the tune of billions of your dollars, subsidies for electric cars, which will bring down the electric grid. The electric grid is not up to this. Uh, Just redistribution of wealth, social engineering, economic engineering, and everything that comes with it. And also, by the way, price controls over prescription drugs. Now, some of you might think that's great. But what that means is no new drugs. That's what that means. No new drugs. Price controls means that we get ripped off by foreign companies. They take, you know, it's like technology. When you develop a drug and a company pours, say, $20 billion into it over the course of 10 years and has to go through all the red tape in Washington, the FDA, to get it approved, and then it's approved. Well, a number of foreign countries just steal it and use it. And they call it generics. And then they ship it back into the United States. And people say, look at that. How come we're paying more here in the United States? Let's get the generics. Well, companies aren't stupid. They have to survive. And so when you have price controls on products like that, they go broke. And they're not going to do it. They're not going to do it. You keep messing around with the market system. You keep messing around with the manner in which we produce and develop and invest. You keep messing around with uh, the way in which we ship and deliver things, and you get a disaster. And $80 billion, they hugely muscle up the Internal Revenue Service. That's not good. That's a disaster. I don't care how they, how they try and play it. So, again, in a period of what will be 10 days... Your government will spend another $800 billion between this CHIPS Act and the Schumer-Mansion bill, if they're both passed. The CHIPS Act was already passed. The Republicans got snookered. They got snookered. They said, we're not going to vote on this if you bring anything like this bill back better back because we can't afford it. And frankly, it was McConnell who got snookered. So they vote on this bill and they pass it just the other day. And then out comes suddenly Schumer and Manchin, the Manchinian candidate. And they say, look what we have. McConnell says, say what? What the hell did you just do? You got screwed, you dummy. Mr. Bipartisanship. Manchin just screwed all the Republicans. He screwed all the citizens in the state of West Virginia. And he screwed the United States of America. Throwing in with New York City, Schumer. Schumer. And so when you add the CHIPS bill, $52 billion, to this bill, over $740 billion, you have roughly... $800 billion in new spending. But don't worry, they say. We're going to tax the crap out of these big corporations. All that means is draining tens of billions of dollars out of the private sector and giving it to the government. It has more. More for what? More to do what? To give to the left-wing groups? To screw you and me? They have enough money, for God's sakes. Between what they raise 
what they borrow and the deficits every single year, they still haven't finished spending their COVID money. The states that whined about, oh, we don't have enough money. Their treasuries are overflowing. They're going to piss all this money away like they always do. What happened to the tobacco money? That was gone in six months. Didn't solve anything. 800 billion dollars they're going to spend in Washington DC on top of the trillions they've already spent in the middle of a recession which they refuse to acknowledge and inflation which they poo-poo this is how slowly but surely you work toward a depression this is how it's done this is how it's done it's the opposite of what needs to be done. And the regulations that come with all the spending and all the debt, there's a reason why. There's a reason why. Half of the money in this bill is for so-called climate change. There's a reason why. Almost 20% of half the money in this bill goes to radical groups to fight climate inequity because they fund these radical organizations these third party organizations to attack from the outside the private sector and these corporations to bring them down because they can't get the votes that they want in the congress And they call this the Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. The Inflation Reduction Act of 2022. It's sickening. And look around you. Most of the people in this country have no idea what's going on because this happens so fast. Because the media are corrupt and they lie on behalf, on behalf of this ideology. Look what's happening. It's just unbelievable. We have a lot. We'll be coming back. The President of the United States, Joe Biden, is a liar. 14 instances in which he had individuals in the White House during the Obama-Biden administration who were doing business with Hunter Biden. Not a single committee hearing, not a single criminal investigation. This segment of the podcast is exclusively sponsored by Pure Talk. Pure Talk offers great coverage and can save your family money on your wireless bill every single month. Go to puretalk.com to find the plan that's right for you. Thank you again for listening, and thank you so much for this sponsorship, Pure Talk. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. President Trump, in the Oval Office, January 4th, I believe it was, with, I believe, five individuals, 
including Kash Patel, the chief of staff at the Department of Defense. The January 6th committee wants you to believe that no, Trump didn't authorize anything respecting the National Guard. Kash Patel has said on this program, and he said on Life, Liberty, and Live many many months ago, uh, that in fact, it was Donald Trump who brought up the issue of the National Guard. And so the committee says that's not correct. That's not the testimony they got from the acting Secretary of Defense. It was played on cable TV. Notice nobody played my interview with Cash Patel, but I'm going to bring Cash Patel back in literally 10 minutes, and we're going to discuss this. There was a phone call for more than two hours between Joe Biden and the genocidal murderer, Xi, the communist Chinese thug who runs that country. And according to the Chinese state media, Xi told Biden, among other things, those who play with fire will only get burned. Hope the U.S. side can see this clearly. Talking about Taiwan, talking about Pelosi's visit. Chinese press reports that Taiwan, quote, will bear the wrath of Beijing should House Speaker Nancy Pelosi's visit to the island go forward. So in the call, Xi warns Biden about military action. About military action. I'm calling on the White House, and I'm sure the Democrats will agree with me, to release the full transcript of the two-hour discussion. Now, we know that people are listening in and they're transcribed. We know that because of what was done to Donald Trump. How come they never leak phone calls with foreign leaders and Biden to the media? So we need to have this transcript. We the people, we have a right to know exactly what's going on. We have a right to know exactly, exactly what Biden said and what was said to Biden. As I've said many times, Biden is compromised. He's bought and paid for by the communist Chinese. His whole family is. It's one of the reasons, oh, I didn't tell you who my guests are Sunday. Their governor, Christy Nome, is the first guest, the second guest, Peter Schweitzer. And I get into this with Peter Schweitzer. So, really no discussion about fentanyl. I'm reading the Daily Mail to the extent to which it covers it. None of that. No discussion about the source of the virus. None of that. So I would like to know exactly what they discussed for over two hours. And I'm deeply concerned with all the saber-rattling of the communist Chinese and Xi that if they weren't responded to appropriately, that we're going to be in a war. I've already told you that I believe that war of some kind is coming with communist China. War of some kind is coming with communist China. Because if you look at the situation on Taiwan, if they invade Taiwan and we do next to nothing, that'll be a provocation to China to do more. 
if they invade Taiwan and we take military action, that obviously can trigger a war in and of itself. And so what you need is deterrence. This president, because he is, he's mentally handicapped. Let me just put it that way. The enemy knows this. And that in and of itself is provocative. The enemy knows that Austin, the Secretary of Defense, is weak. The enemy knows that Blinken, the Secretary of State, is an egghead buffoon. The enemy knows that the National Security Advisor is nothing more than a, a slimeball political operative. The enemy knows that we don't have the numbers in the armed forces that we should have, that our recruitment's way down because we're pushing wokeism over readiness. The enemy knows all this. And China's the enemy. And so Xi makes these threats to Biden. I would like to know exactly how Biden responded. I don't want his handlers to tell us how he responded. And why can't we get that information? Why can't we get it? Those who play with fire will only get burned. Hope the U.S. side can see this clearly. That is a direct threat from the leader of the communist Chinese. A direct threat. And I think we have a right to know exactly what Joe Biden said in response. Exactly. You see, our response to Russia's invasion into Ukraine hasn't had any impact on Xi. Like some have thought, including some generals, like Petraeus, who I had on my show. He's wrong. Also, let me just say this before we bring Cash Patel on. There's been more and more attacks on Zelensky and his wife. Oh, they took pictures for Vogue. And unfortunately, there is a movement within the conservative movement, and we've seen this before in the past 120 years, that is largely isolationist and radical libertarian. Only if America is directly involved should we consider even military assistance. And when you try and and really figure out what that means and ask the questions, they typically don't know. There was a candidate running in Florida in one of the congressional districts. He's endorsed by Rand Paul. Other candidates are endorsed by other candidates. And so when I was here during the debates with Ron DeSantis, he in particular interested me. His name is Sabatini, if I remember correctly. Pretty well known. He wants to be a congressman. I believe he's a state senator. And I said to all the, all the candidates, I asked them about Ukraine. Some said no. I had two panels. Most said, yes, we should give them non-personnel assistance. He said, no, nothing, period. I said, did you read what Putin wrote last summer? where he said, basically, Ukraine and then Eastern Europe. I said, what if he cuts through Ukraine and goes into Poland or Romania? He said, unfortunately, we have a contract, a NATO contract, 
So we'd have to provide some support. And I said, well, what if we didn't have this contract called NATO, which we set up to protect us? You know, a lot of Americans died in Europe. Tens of thousands of Americans died in Europe. They never came home. Their blood is in the ground there. It's not like this is, well, what's it any of our business? And he said, no, if there was no NATO and the Russians cut through Ukraine and cut into Poland. I said, what about the rest of Eastern Europe? None of our business. I said, well, what is your policy? Only if we are directly and in a very substantial way threatened or attacked. I said, so we have to wait for missiles to be shot into the United States? This is the most radical view I've ever heard. And yet it's a view that grows in the United States. Some of my own friends and colleagues on cable have embraced this view because they don't understand history. They don't understand what happened to the lead up of World War I, the lead up of World War II. They look at Afghanistan and they look at Iraq because that is their entire experience when it comes to history. And we don't want another Afghanistan and we don't want another Iraq. I got that. We're talking about Europe now, where we've had two world wars and God knows how many Americans have died. It's utterly irresponsible. So now Zelensky's under attack, you see, because he shut down opposition press, much as Lincoln did during the Civil War. And he took pictures in vogue, don't you know? I have a story here I want to get to later, which I guarantee you none of these putinoids on TV, on radio, in either political party will mention. Putin's torture camps revealed filtration prisons where Ukrainian children are held and adult civilians beaten by FSB, that's KGB officers, are unveiled by Polish security force. They are slaughtering these people. They're raping these people. They are torturing these people. They're shipping them out into Russia where they are enslaving these people. And we have criticism about a picture in vogue. Well, any of these Putinoids, any of them, any of them. Talk about what's taking place here? Will any of them? No, they won't. I'll be right back. Mark in. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. Cash Patel was chief of staff of the Department of Defense, among other positions before that. He's written a great kid's book, The Plot Against the King. Cash, how are you, my friend? I'm great. Thanks so much for having me back on the show, Mark. 
All right, I want to walk through this because the committee has released an audio of the former acting Secretary of Defense, in which they are suggesting that, no, Donald Trump did not authorize or encourage uh, the uh, National Guard to be poised to assist on Capitol Hill. What exact day was that meeting that you had and that you were in the Oval Office with the president? And with whom else were you in the Oval Office? Off the top of my head, it was January 3rd or 4th, two or three days before the Capitol Hill events of January 6th. It was myself as chief of staff of DOD, the secretary of defense, Chris Miller, the chief of staff of the president of the United States, Mark Meadows, the president of the United States, and uh, chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mark Milley, and maybe one other person. Okay. So at least you four and the president. Yes. Did the issue of the National Guard come up, yes or no? Unequivocally, yes. Who brought up the National Guard? The president. Did the president mention the National Guard out of concern for security at the Capitol building? What what exactly did he say to the best of your recollection? Sure. It was a meeting you don't really forget um, because we were discussing something totally unrelated to the protection of America's national security interests, which is what DOD does. Then at the end, the president asked us to uh, stay and discuss the security posture for any of the events um, leading up to January 6th and on January 6th, and not just for Washington, D.C., but for across America, because he knew there was gatherings that had been discussed on social media and events were going to take place in Washington. So he asked questions about the security posture and uh, what he could do or what could be done to enhance it, um, especially in Washington. So he was concerned about security throughout the country and especially in Washington, correct? Yep, that's right. That's what you just said. That's what he said, correct? Yes, that's my recollection. That's a summary of it, yes. And uh, the National Guard came up in the discussion? Yes or no? Yes, naturally, because he was talking to DOD officials, so that's the only capacity uh, the National Guard can provide law enforcement assistance uh, through once a couple of mechanisms in the law are followed, but yes. And what did he say about the National Guard? Did he say, I want to make them available, I'm going to authorize them, what do I need to do? What did he say? That, that, that's basically it. He, he knows as the commander-in-chief, and we knew on the DOD side of things, that the, pre, the step one under posse comitatus, the law that's been around for maybe 150-plus years, yeah, says the president can, can, exactly, so war, can authorize National Guard troop deployment within the uh, borders of the United States, <clears throat> but there cannot be an ordered deployment of the United States military domestically. That, by its very definition, would be a coup and an insurrection. That is why we have a civilian chain of command at the Department of Defense. And that's why Posse Comitatus speaks to that. So he authorized it, but step two was the local governing officials and federal authorities have to request an assistance for that National Guard so there is no ordered deployment unilaterally by the executive branch. When you say the president authorized it, how did he do that? Did he just say, get them ready, give me something to sign? What did he do? I I mean, that's not really how it works. You know, the president, when he speaks, he's the commander in chief. You take your orders as they come. He said, 
take whatever security measures you need. Um, and I believe the account was a 10 to 20,000 National Guard, if that's how many you need, to secure the Capitol and the events around the country. And that's all we needed to hear from the chain of command. The National Command Authority goes from the president to the sector. Said, Roger that, sir. We left and we continued our planning and preparations and went immediately to Mayor Bowser, who controls Washington, D.C., and the Capitol Police, who report to Nancy Pelosi. And we said the president has authorized security for the Capitol in and up to and including January 6th. Would you like that security? Because by right, law, stop you there. Have to how did you how did you inform the mayor and and the Capitol Police through letter, phone call? What? Uh, we sent we thought it was such a significant matter that we sent the secretary of the army at that time was Ryan McCarthy. And the reason we selected the secretary of the army is because he's in charge of the National Guard force. And we mm-hmm. sent him to engage with Pelosi's office and Capitol Police, and we sent him to engage with Bowser. And I'm pretty sure he made direct contact, either in person or at the very least by telephone. And he came back and he reported what? They didn't want it. They had uh, said no. And, you know, we said probably something to the effect of, okay, let's make sure we have everything documented. That No, that's what was my habit. And that's why we created the DOD timeline. But most importantly, you've now seen Mark, Mayor Bowser's letter in her own words and signature rejecting it uh, on January 4th. And the Capitol Police's own memorandum, which has now finally been released, saying that the sergeant in arms who runs the Capitol Police said, no, we don't want the National Guard. And those are their own documents. Which is a remarkable thing, because if the committee is suggesting that the president never authorized the National Guard, why would you have those letters? At all. <laughs> exactly. And furthermore, how would we have lawfully ever authorized them on January 6th when they wanted them if we didn't go and make the request and they didn't change their position? The reverse math just doesn't add up uh, for, for them because we continue to put out the truth. That's exactly what happened. Now, they put out a uh, an audio. Uh, I think uh-huh. they gave it to Brett Baer pushing yeah. back with the acting secretary of defense uh, uh, suggesting they argue in the audio that the secretary of defense did not say and does not remember an authorization. When we return, Cash Patel, who was in the meeting, you're a first-hand witness. When we return, I want to know your thoughts about that. We'll be right back. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest. I was nervous at first, thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code LEVINPODCAST. The Mark Levin Show, live and national 
at 877-381-3811. The meeting was on January 3rd, 2021, three days before the January 6th events. It was 5.30 p.m. It included our guest, Kash Patel, the chief of staff of the Department of Defense. It included Acting Defense Secretary Christopher Miller. It included General Mark Milley. It included the President of the United States. It included the Chief of Staff of the White House. And it included, perhaps, Cash says, another individual. And in the Inspector General's report at the time, his notes, it says, Mr. Miller, that's the Acting Secretary of Defense, and General Milley met with the President at the White House at 5.30 p.m., The primary topic they discussed was unrelated to the scheduled rally, everything you've said. General Milley told us that at the end of the meeting, the president told Mr. Miller, the acting secretary, that there would be a large number of protesters on January 6th, and Mr. Miller should ensure sufficient National Guard or soldiers would be there to make sure it was a safe event. Now, this is according to, you know, um, uh, Milley's recounting to the inspector general. General Milley told us that Mr. Miller responded, we've got a plan and we've got it covered. So now the committee puts out this, this testimony, allegedly, of, of the acting Secretary of Defense, Miller. What do you make of this? Well, the testimony is by, uh, by uh, Liz Cheney trying to recraft the narrative. As a member of the Armed Services Committee who oversees DOD, she knows the distinction between ordering military domestically and authorizing the National Guard. And they're trying to spread disinformation by saying snippets of, of Chris Miller, then Secretary of Defense Chris Miller's testimony. His testimony is accurate. President Trump never ordered us to deploy the National Guard or the Army domestically. Had he done that, that would have been the definition of an insurrection. So by Liz Cheney's own words and broadcasting on Fox News, um, she has exonerated President Trump of the very charge that they have been pounding away on for six months. He did not order the United States military to deploy within the boundaries of the United States. That's unconstitutional. And she does this intentionally, doesn't she, Cash Patel? She literally well, lies over and over about this, doesn't she? Well, she's very smart. As, as you know, Mark, she, she's no dummy. It would be dismissive to think of that. She comes on a show like Fox is Brett Baer, and I've asked Brett to come on and, and correct the record. Uh, we haven't heard back. But <clears throat> she says she dodges the question about authorization, and we were very specific, as is all the documentation proven. We were very specific because she knows she can't get away from the truth, which is it was authorized days ahead by President Trump and then rejected by Nancy Pelosi and Mayor Bowser and the Capitol Police. That puts them in the Jan 6 committee in a weakened position to say, President Trump didn't act. But if she now says, because the American people aren't supposed to know the depths of the law and how DOD works, but if she says, oh, here's a headline, President Trump didn't order the military domestically, when in the last 300 years of our existence in this nation has the president constitutionally ordered the deployment of the United States Armed Forces mm-hmm. in our border? This doesn't happen because it's illegal. Now, the Inspector General's memo, as Just the News points out, Cash Patel, also yields insight into the mindset of the Democrat-led Congress. Top military officials and local police before January 6th, key players, it reveals, repeatedly raised concerns about accepting the offer of National Guard help, fearing it would create the perception of a military coup or martial law as the election results were certified, even though they were uh, assured by the Secretary of Army, Ryan McCarthy, that that was not the case. 
And uh, so the District of Columbia police chief, as you point out, Robert Conti, on behalf of the mayor, says he don't want other federal law enforcement, not even the military, but not even other federal law enforcement there, um, among other things. And they were getting, it says here, tons of intelligence reports started flowing more than two weeks before the riot, flagged online chatter about waging a bloody war, using nerve gas, concealing guns, burning down the Supreme Court, specifically flagged Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers. So the president sees this. They're seeing it on Capitol Hill. The president offers the National Guard. They turn it down. It says further in this inspector general report from Department of Defense, right-wing extremists are talking about tunnels below the Capitol complex and the allegiances of the United States Capitol Police officers. And this was written Capitol Police intelligence expert John T. Nugent Jr. wrote in an email on December 21. And it was uh, distributed to a list of the department's intelligence and interagency coordination division. So Nancy Pelosi had to know this. This is a group that works under her. People on this committee had to know this, Cash Patel, way back in December. Donald Trump sees intelligence information, apparently, and he orders you guys at the Defense Department. He doesn't order. He authorizes you to trigger the National, uh, the, the, uh, National Guard uh, use if requested. You guys go there. You ask them if they need it. They know about all this intelligence that has come in. So Pelosi, through a surrogate, says no. Mayor Bowser, through her surrogate, say no. Now, isn't the reason they don't really want to discuss this, Cash Patel, because it gives the lie to the entire scheme that they're trying to create here? Oh, that's exactly right. Now there's their last-ditch effort to to trump up, or not to use that word, but to falsify a charge of insurrection and or sedition because the president didn't order this uh, so-called illegal act. And the other part of that, I agree with you on your intelligence assessment, it was everywhere for everyone to see. What I always tell people is, how is it that the Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks around the Capitol knew a week beforehand to board up, but the FBI and the United States Capitol Police didn't? You just disproved it. They knew it. They intentionally acted otherwise. And now they are trying to say that since President Trump and I didn't speak or the DOD didn't directly speak on January 6th, he failed to act in this so-called 187 minutes. We didn't need to hear from President Trump. Who we needed to hear from was Nancy Pelosi and the Capitol Police and Mayor Bowser so that they could hit the go button and we could launch our deployment of our troops. We, we met the measure and we, we prepared as much as the law requires, but we cannot kit out uniformed soldiers and have them at the ready right. until they say, please request us. We've heard uh, from Mark Short and another guy, Jacobs, Greg Jacobs, I think he is, two assistants to uh, Vice President Pence that they testified in front of a federal grand jury in Washington, D.C. to talk about the pressure or whatever that was placed on Pence. Because there's certain statutes that, you know, the prosecutors are looking at, none of which apply, but nonetheless, they are capable of very devious things. That is, the prosecutors. Have you been asked to testify in front of this grand jury to explain the meeting on January 3rd that took place in the Oval Office? I have not, but I don't think that meeting, that's a separate meeting, not the one we're talking about. I wasn't there for that with the, any of the VPers. I'm talking about January 3rd, the exculpatory meeting. 
you haven't been asked to go in front of the federal grand jury if they're looking at things like leading an insurrection in order to obstruct a an official count. I just I just want to know if the prosecutors are really trying to get to the bottom of this or they're just trying to to find a crime to prove and they're not going to prove it. But you get my point. Yeah, they got my sworn testimony. They're sharing it with the committees, talk to them every day. If they wanted to read it, they would. Instead, they just put out snippets to you know perpetuate this information. And one thing I want to clarify about the vice president, because this has come up, they're saying that Vice President Pence was in communication with us on January 6th. He was. But they're acting as if he gave us orders to secure the Capitol building. We had already deployed the National Guard before Mike Pence made that request. And let's put that fact aside. The vice president of the United States is not in the chain of command. He cannot order us to do anything, nor can the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. So this narrative that's out there that Vice President Pence and Chairman Milley were somehow working to secure an order of the United States military is completely false and would have been as unconstitutional as if President Trump had ordered the deployment of the military on that But day. you're saying steps had already been taken by the Defense Department before uh, Pence allegedly did anything. That's 100 percent correct, because the Defense Department, is, as you know, we take reps and sets. We prepare, prepare, prepare. And if the law says we can go up to one line, we go up an inch to that line and we put our guys on notice and we say, hey, you might be called. Uh, please be around. That's all we can do. We can't put you in buses yet. We can't load up the ammo. We can't get the gear here. But you might be boarding planes across the country and coming to Washington and elsewhere at a moment's notice. We do that regularly when it's necessary. And we now had, let me ask this. We had a plan. Who uh did you instigate a call to Nancy Pelosi, or did she first make a call to the Department of Defense? On January 6th? Yes. Uh, there was a lot of calls that day, Mark, and I believe we probably tried to reach her office, and I know for a fact she called us on one occasion. There was multiple rounds of phone calls throughout that day with Speaker and, Pelosi and company. And those would be available, transcripts, right, to the committee? Well, if the transcripts weren't, at least summaries of those transcripts should be available. I can't speak to the transcripts because I wasn't the one doing it. But there was a lot of people on both ends of those phone calls taking notes. And those memorandums are both at the House, the Senate, the Department of Defense, and other people that were online, including some of those phone calls had multiple cabinet secretaries online. So um, such things such as DOJ and FBI would have those notes and even Department of Homeland Security. But they haven't asked my point. My point is that information respecting what she said what she asked for what was asked of her when it was actually occurring is available in one form or another correct yes it is why hasn't this committee released any of that well i think you know the answer for the same reason they haven't released the entirety of my deposition transcript or chris miller's they don't want that out there they want the piecemeal information they don't want good journalists to read the truth and destroy their false narrative that they're trying to perpetuate. I've asked every week since I testified in December to put out the entirety of my transcript. Nothing in it is classified and nothing should be redacted except personal names. And they just haven't told us when that's going to happen, if ever. Did you speak to Nancy Pelosi at some point? I was on calls with the speaker while on my end, it was the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman and a few other people, and on her end, it was Speaker Pelosi, Chuck Schumer, and a few others. So I don't know if I could say I directly spoke to her, but I was on the call. And this was during the course of the writing? Yeah, it was uh, 
I don't know. We have a timeline we've put out, so I'll rely on the DOD timeline that's publicly available. But yeah, it was during the course of January 6th on the day of. And do you recall what her principal concern was at the first, at the, at yeah. the first when she spoke to you guys? I sure do. It's one of those things that you just don't even think could come up in fiction. She asked when congressional food services would be restored so that members of Congress could go back in the Congress and eat. At which point, we, I looked at the Secretary of Defense and the Chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff and gave one of those, did, did, did that just happen? Is that what was said? And I think the response, and I'm summarizing here from the Secretary and or the Chairman was something to the effect of, Madam, Madam Speaker, our priority is securing your safety and that of the building so that the election count can continue, ma'am. We don't know when congressional food services will be restored. And Schumer was in on that call? I believe he was in on the call, but as I said, Mark, there's multiple people on those calls, um, but I believe he was one of them. Now, you've been extremely gracious with your time. Do you mind if I steal more of it after the break? No problem. All right, you're listening to Cash Patel, Chief of Staff at the time at the Department of Defense. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile are charging you a premium fee every month for data you don't use. Stop paying for things you don't use. Instead of paying $89 a month to your current provider, pay just $20 to Pure Talk for what you actually need. I made the switch, and I'll be honest, I was nervous at first thinking, well, is the coverage really going to be that good? Am I going to drop calls, slow internet? I can tell you firsthand. The 5G service is that good. Switching to Pure Talk was that easy. So listen, don't sit on the fence any longer. You're being ripped off by greedy wireless companies. It's time to take the leap and start saving money every month. Go to puretalk.com, select a plan, then enter promo code Levin Podcast. That's L-E-V-I-N Podcast and save 50% off your first month. You can literally be switched over to Pure Talk service in less than 10 minutes. So go to puretalk.com and enter promo code Levin Podcast. We're back with Cash Patel, former chief of staff at the Department of Defense. And of course, the reason this is so important, because this is the biggest piece of evidence that exists to counter all the attacks on Donald Trump. You would never order, or in this case, authorize, right, Cash? You would never authorize the Department of Defense. First of all, you'd never raise the question, let alone authorize the use of up to 20,000 guardsmen on January 6th. And this cuts against the narrative that's being pushed out there, which is why Liz Cheney has to lie about it. And so your testimony, and obviously what Milley told the Inspector General and what the Secretary of the Army told the Inspector General... It's all very, very important, which is why, you know, they, they, they subpoena people to testify in front of this committee. If they invited you to give public testimony on this point, would they even have to subpoena you, Cash Patel? Would you just do it? I was the first subpoena they ever issued out of this committee, and I said, I'm why did you do that? I'm talking about the public, the public testimony. No, they, they don't allow me to testify publicly. They don't want to hear it. They don't want Have to you requested it? it? Well... You know, Mark, as much as I'd love to keep doing that kind of thing, that stuff it's, costs me a fortune in legal fees, and I just can't afford it at yeah. the end of the day. Well, I guess that's what they figure, right? 
Yeah, the first round cost me 200000 so I don't really need that again. But you know what's interesting, Cash Patel, if they treat you this way and your testimony this way, and they basically cover it up. In a court of law, you do this sort of thing. Uh-huh. You're held in contempt and you're disbarred. You Absolutely. can't keep evidence like this from a jury, and you should not be able to keep evidence like this from the American people, right? You're 100% right. As a former federal prosecutor, I couldn't agree with you more. It's not how we ran Russiagate when I read that investigation. And Congress can do investigations when they release all the information like we did. This co- this committee just doesn't want to because they want to control the narrative. And they've said publicly, Liz Cheney has said, we are only going to release snippets and pieces of our information when we deem it appropriate. And again, it's interesting that they, they clearly have or can have access to a lot of the notes or information that was taken respecting Nancy Pelosi. If you're doing an oversight hearing, Cash Patel, to determine what happened on January 6th, wouldn't you be concerned and wouldn't you want to know why, in fact, the National Guard was not requested by Nancy Pelosi? 100%. The other thing I would have done is go and get all the documents first, every single one. I had to submit half the documents we're talking about to this committee. They didn't have them in its record, and they couldn't care less that I was submitting them. And when I went back to make sure they were part of my transcript, they said they made a clerical error and omitted my seven uh, exhibits of evidence, including the DOD Inspector General report, the DOD timeline, and a number of other critical documents um, to that speak to the truth of this matter. So that just shows you where they are in terms of, quote-unquote, oversight. Mm-hmm. Now, to the best of your knowledge, uh, the acting Secretary of Defense, he also obviously testified at a deposition there, and that his testimony was... Uh, was supportive of yours and vice versa, correct? Yeah. Uh, the former secretary testified three times, um, actually, I think before multiple committees about the events of January 6th. And I haven't seen that testimony and we don't you know, really discuss it for obvious reasons, but we just go in there and tell the truth. It's really simple. And if they want to parse words, that's what they're going to do well, like, like they do and try to create. Just very quickly, did... Uh... Did uh, the General Milley testify, do you know? He testified to the DOD Inspector General, and I believe this committee as well, and I'll leave it at this. You know he would have leaked information, and this committee would have too, if it controverted anything we said about the authorization. You're absolutely right. All right, you're a great patriot, Cash. Thank you. We'll be right back. Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in America with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, much, much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. My wife Julie and I decided it was time to add more flowering trees to our landscape, and Fast Growing Tree was a great resource for us. A large selection and no hassle ordering or shipping. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on selected plants and other deals, and listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEVIN at checkout. 
L-E-V-I-N. Now that's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using code LEVIN at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code L-E-V-I-N. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Please visit FastGrowingTrees.com for details. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to ask you a question. Did you know withdrawing your cash from the bank can be very risky? That's right. Banks are now required to spy on us for the government. And they report any behavior they think is suspicious. It's true. And I was shocked when I read this secret war on cash from Swiss America. The new war against cash is really a war against the Constitution. Against all freedom-loving Americans. So, you need to read the war on cash. Get your free copy by calling 800-630-1492. 800-630-1492. Or visit SwissAmerica.com. Now, this war on cash is growing daily and also includes all forms of digital money. Please get and read The Secret War on Cash free to my listeners by calling now, 800-630-1492, 800-630-1492, or visit SwissAmerica.com. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin here. Our number, 877 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I hope you heard... My discussion with Cash Patel, former chief of staff, Department of Defense, because his testimony gives the lie to virtually everything this committee's doing on Capitol Hill, and I will fill in some of the gaps in a moment. You've heard this phrase being thrown around even by former federal prosecutors, like Saul Weisenheimer. All he had to do is sit there and watch about an hour or two of a public hearing by a committee a lynching committee, and he was persuaded. Just shows you how some people really are pathetic. 18 United States Code, Section 2384, deals with seditious conspiracy. If two or more persons in any state or territory or in any place subject to the jurisdiction of the United States conspire to overthrow, put down, or to destroy by force the government of the United States, or to levy war against them, or to oppose by force the authority thereof, or by force to, pre- to prevent, hinder, or delay the execution of any law of the United States, or by force to seize, take, or possess any property of the United States contrary to the authority thereof, they shall each be fined under this title or in prison not more than 20 years or both. So if the President of the United States is the one to suggest you might want to bring out the National Guard, and I'm authorizing you to do that in order to protect the Capitol, as well as other cities and other places. That gives the lie to this whole notion of seditious conspiracy. He wouldn't even have brought it up. And yet he had the smarts to bring it up. The Secretary of Defense didn't bring it up. The head of the Joint Chiefs didn't bring it up. He brought it up. And yet, I want to go through this because there's been an effort to telegraph what crimes the U.S. Attorney in Washington, D.C. and the Attorney General are looking at. Obstruction of an official proceeding of Congress. It's from the Washington Compost. 
It's an illegal to obstruct an official proceeding of Congress. And on January 6th, Congress convened in what very much was an official proceeding, they write. Here the tally of electoral votes from states certifying Joe Biden won the presidential election. Now listen to how stupid that is. Who certifies that somebody won a presidential election? The Congress does. That's why Congress is meeting. Now, a governor, or depending on whomever it is, certifies the official list of electors that's sent to the archivist of the United States, who then sends that very thick envelope to a joint session of Congress on January 6th, because it is Congress that certifies in the end. Congress, not a court, Congress. That is why you have members of Congress who object to the count of certain states' electors. The chairman of this committee, the January 6th committee, did exactly that. Benny Thompson objected to electors. He didn't want to seat a Republican president. He objected. Why else do you object? The so-called constitutional scholar on this committee, a Marxist, Jamie Raskin, he objected against a Republican president serving in office. Why did he do that? Because he wanted the Democrat to win. So the election is not over until Congress speaks. That's the whole point of the Electoral College. And yet we have at least two members of this committee by their own definition, who sought to overturn, quote-unquote, an election. Now, it's not over, but sought to overturn the outcome. It's built into the system. It's not a crime. Congress has the final say. Not a court, not a prosecutor, not an attorney general, not the media. This is the crime that many of the January 6th attackers have been charged with, notes former federal prosecutor Barbara McQuaid. Oh, big deal. Some committee members, mainly Dizzy Lizzie, have raised the question of whether Trump broke this federal law by trying to stop lawmakers from certifying Biden's win. They aim to show that the attack on the Capitol was not a spontaneous outburst, but that Trump and his allies specifically planned to disrupt the congressional counting. The President of the United States running for re-election has every right under the Constitution. Every right to encourage members of the House or members of the Senate to challenge electors, to challenge a elector, to challenge what took place in the states. There is nothing, absolutely nothing criminal about that or illegal about that. Nothing whatsoever. But they go on to prove that they need to prove intent. Trump knew he lost the election, but pushed lies about it anyway. What does that mean? Does that mean Benny Thompson and Raskin should be prosecuted? Because they knew what they were saying wasn't true. They knew what they were saying wasn't true. But ladies and gentlemen, they have Bill Barr quoted here saying they knew Trump had lost the election and told him so, quote, I made it clear I didn't agree with the idea of saying the election was stolen and putting out this stuff, which I told the president was BS. Wow, what a tough guy. 
What a tough guy. Pass the cupcakes. That proves nothing. So what? And you would think Barr knows this, having been an attorney general. Why Trump made no effort to tell the rioters to leave the Capitol for 187 minutes that the attack unfolded. No, that doesn't prove anything. It's the same Donald Trump that offered the National Guard. Authorized it. According to one, two, three, four witnesses. Which is exactly why they won't put that information out. And then there's this one. Trump had meetings before January 6th explicitly to pressure Vice President Mike Pence to disrupt the joint session of Congress. Now that's an interesting one. And I talk about this on Sunday. To pressure the Vice President of the United States to disrupt the joint session of Congress. Not to disrupt it. You know, my original take on this was that the vice president does not have authority to do anything but count the vote. Then I did a lot of research on this. I'd say mostly in the last six months or so. And I'm wrong. And I told you this a few months back. The answer is, we have no idea. The Constitution doesn't say. The 12th Amendment is ambiguous. Federal law, 1887, is convoluted. This is precisely why Susan Collins and some Democrats and other Republicans have gotten together, have drafted a bill, which is now endorsed by, of all places, National Review, to make clear what and what is not the role of the Vice President of the United States who oversees the process. Why would you need that? If it was unambiguous, you wouldn't. But I could make an argument either way. For instance, I'll make an argument that the vice president did have the power to go back to the states. Now, what would I base that on? The vice president of the United States is the president of the Senate. Any senator, any senator on January 6th could vote in opposition to one or more electors or one or more slate of electors sent to the archivist of the United States by a state. Barbara Boxer, in fact, did that a few years back. Well, why would you exclude the president of the Senate, the vice president of the United States? Couldn't he do the same? Is there anything anywhere that says he can't? As the president of the Senate, no, there's nothing anywhere that says he can't. Should he? Could he? That's a whole other story. How can it be illegal? How can it be a crime? How can it be obstructing the count? It can't be. That's the danger in projecting these criminal statutes on top of what's taken place. They have no, no, they, no, they don't fit. There was no purpose behind these statutes to relate to this sort of thing. It's Dizzy Lizzy, the Democrats, and hack former prosecutors and a hack U.S. attorney in Washington, D.C. Next, conspiracy to defraud the United States. 
Proving this crime requires showing that at least two people entered into agreement to obstruct a lawful function of the government by deceitful or dishonest means. Oh, they say there's substantial, there's evidence. Uh, They say Eastman and Trump likely knew their plan was illegal because numerous high-level colleagues told them so. Uh, What? The first January 6th hearing, Dizzy Lizzie described Eastman as a crucial figure in the plot to overturn the election results. The election results, Dizzy, aren't finalized until they're certified by Congress. So it's not a matter of overturning the election results. And she said Eastman didn't believe the legal argument he was making potentially indicating intent to commit a crime. They're trying to manufacture intent. Now what they're trying to say is that these fake electors, you know, they'll grab on anything. That was an effort to defraud the United States. Well, what makes them fake electors? Well, they weren't certified by the governor. Well, what makes them fake electors? Well, they had to be certified by the governor. Well, what if the governor's conduct violated Article 2 of the Constitution? That is, the governor took actions to change the election laws but the execution of the election laws in violation of the state legislature. Early in our history, most of the states, the state legislatures appointed the electors. No vote, none of that. So that's preposterous too. Just like pressuring the vice president. president has every right to pressure the vice president. And the vice president did what the vice president did. He said no. That's the way it's supposed to work. It's not a crime. It's not obstruction. It's not conspiracy to defraud the United States because, look, they sent electors here, fake, quote-unquote, fake electors. Well, just because the governor certifies, doesn't that make the electors fake if they're violating the federal constitution, Article 2? These are very complicated questions, and they should not be addressed in the criminal justice system, which is where it's been pushed Why? Because it's Donald Trump. And I've already told you, seditious conspiracy is nuts. They have nothing that proves it, and everything that disproves it. So those are their three big deals, according to the Washington Compost. And they quote Liz Cheney a lot. Obstruction of official proceeding of Congress? No, that didn't happen. He's free to pressure the vice president. He's free to do a lot of things, as a candidate or as the president. Conspiracy to defraud the United States? No way. Seditious conspiracy? Idiotic. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. If you're a dog parent like me, you've likely seen your dog deal with excess itchiness, a dry coat, a sensitive stomach, or stiff joints. These problems are all extremely common, and surprisingly, many of these issues are linked to the ingredients in kibble. After helping so many dogs with these problems, a renowned veterinarian, Dr. Marty, created Nature's Blend, a freeze-dried raw food made with premium meat and zero I said zero artificial preservatives, fillers, or meat meals. Once you switch your dog to Nature's Blend, the difference can be astounding. How do I know? Our dog 
coincidentally enough, named Marty. Marty loves his Nature's Blend premium raw dog food. I love that Nature's Blend is freeze-dried and pantry safe. Marty's an old boy. He's 15 years old. He's a wonderful dog. He misses his buddy Barney like we all do. So we try to make sure he's always happy with his food. So for a limited time, save 50% off your first order. Receive a free pack of Dr. Marty's Pet Premium Dog Treats. Just go to drmartypets.com slash Levin or text Levin to 511511. Let me do that again. Go to drmartypets.com slash L-E-V-I-N or text L-E-V-I-N to 511-511. They offer a 100% 90-day return of your purchase price if you're not satisfied. Or more importantly, if your dog's not satisfied. Text L-E-V-I-N to 511-511 or again, go to drmartypets.com slash Levin. Message and data rates may apply. You may receive up to one additional text. Text STOP to opt out. What I learned from lobbying the electors in 2000, this is from Vox, which I think just fired a bunch of people. By Matt Grossman, I led an effort to sway electors in 2000. It failed, but it was the right thing to do. The Electoral College is anachronistic and should be eliminated. It's a big Lib Democrat. This is from, uh, well, whenever, it doesn't matter. Analysts expected Democrats to win the presidential election with the models based on state polls predicting an 85% chance of victory. The Republicans won an Electoral College majority even while losing the popular vote. Democrats called for recounts. Researchers questioned voting systems. Activists lobbied electors to change their votes. The year was 2000. With George W. Bush of the Bush-Cheney dynasty beating Al Gore for the presidency, but it has several parallels to this year's election. That year, as part of the first online effort to lobby Electoral College members in an effort to sway their votes, my college roommate, David Enrich, had founded a virtual political reform organization called Citizens for True Democracy, which advocated the abolition of the Electoral College. Even as college students, we saw the 2000 election as an opportunity to push reform. In the week following the election, we circulated a petition to abolish the Electoral College, lobbied Congress, collected contact information for electors pledged to George W. Bush nationwide. Our effort, eventually renamed VoteWithAmerica.com, included names, home, office numbers, addresses for most electors. We offered online calling, sample call scripts, downloadable mail merge files, with the click of a button, visitors could also mass email or fax electors in many states. We failed to sway the electors, but not for lack of trying. Newspapers reported that electors began receiving a flood of communication. Florida electors received the most attention. And it goes on. A political scientist, Robert Alexander, claims our efforts were not entirely in vain. We started a tradition of lobbying the electors. You see what I mean, Mr. Producer? This crap's been going on forever. Lobbying electors, lobbying state representatives, challenges raised on January 6th by members of the House, by members of the Senate, Democrat Party violence, threats of violence way back to Jefferson's time, and here we have a president who wanted no violence. The change here is the Democrat Party and their machine. They control the House, the Senate, the presidency, 
the Department of Justice and the U.S. Attorney's Office in Washington, D.C., which is filled with radical leftists. And the media, of course, which is corrupt as hell. Filled with former Democrats serving in different positions and current Democrats and led by woke corporatists. And they want Trump's scalp. It's that simple. If it wasn't Trump, it would be DeSantis. If it wasn't DeSantis, it would be Cruz. If it wasn't Cruz, it would be Cotton. If it wasn't Cotton, it would be another. You got to stand up to bullies. You got to stand up to the mob. And that's exactly what's taking place here. It's not the rule of law, as many of the rhinos and never Trumpers say. It's lawlessness. Mark Levin, the voice of America. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. Yellow America. Now, most of the media are going to cover this up. The Putinoid media, the Putinoid politicians in the Republican and Democrat Party. It's an amazing thing how they trash Ukraine. Look at this. They don't actually have free elections in Ukraine right now. Look at this. They're shutting down newspapers. Look at this. These are people who are obviously ignorant about our own civil war. And Abraham Lincoln. You're fighting for your survival. You're fighting for your life. That's what's taking place. And how you compare what Ukraine is doing to Vladimir Putin. And what he's doing inside his country, to his own people, to Ukrainians. Last time I checked, it's Vladimir Putin that has nuclear missiles aimed at the United States. Ukraine gave up their nuclear missiles in 1994 as part of an agreement with us, Russia, and the UK to protect their sovereignty. Because if they had nuclear weapons, none of this would be going on, would it? And right now, the former chief rabbi of Russia who left is warning Jews to get out because Putin is now starting to target, among others, Jews because he doesn't think Israel is giving him enough support. But that's not what I'm talking about. The Daily Mail. Vladimir Putin's torture camps revealed. Are you going to hear this from any of the Putinoids in the media? Any of them? I challenge them. I challenge them to read this article from the Daily Mail. They plagiarize me anyway. Well, plagiarize this. Filtration prisons where Ukrainian children are held and adult civilians beaten by the FSB, that's the modern KGB, are unveiled by Polish security forces. Polish security minister posted locations of several of these detention centers He said more than 1.5 million Ukrainian civilians were held in camps in occupied Ukraine. And that's the ones who haven't been shipped into Russia for slave labor. And as sex slaves and all the rest. Stanislaw Zarin, special services minister for Poland, alleged Ukrainian adults were interrogated, tortured, even conscripted. It comes as Human Rights Watch said it had interviewed dozens of Ukrainian citizens who provided details of the abuses they have endured from Russian captors. 
No, instead, it's the photos of, in vogue of Zelensky and his wife. We're trying to reach out to the world in every conceivable way, in every conceivable media platform. To keep the interests of his country and the needs of his people. Front and center. Vogue being, for many people, an, incult, an important cultural magazine. They say, look at this. Ukraine's at war and they're sitting for pictures. What are these people, stupid? They're going everywhere they can. They're seeing anybody they can. Human Rights Watch confirmed it and interviewed dozens of Ukrainians who've been detained by the Russians, many of whom had signs of torture, many of whom were injured, and it goes on and on and on. It's just like the mass rapes. It's just like the the shipping, if in effect, by train and other ways, Ukrainian civilians into Russia, and they'll never be able to return again to their Ukraine. Ukrainian people didn't ask for any of this. They didn't do a damn thing. They didn't do a damn thing. They exist. That was the problem. And I don't buy in with the radical libertarians who remind me of George McGovern, Neville Chamberlain, and all the others. And all the others. But there is a, from my perspective, a good story. And you know, my ancestry is Russian. And ask me if I give a you-know-what. London, from uh, Yahoo News. More than 75,000 Russian soldiers have been killed or injured since the Kremlin launched its brutal war in Ukraine on February 24, according to American intelligence. Speaking to the Constipated News Network, Michigan Representative Elisa Slotnick, she needs to be defeated. She's another phony moderate. Nonetheless, she said the estimate was revealed during a classified briefing with officials from the Biden administration. She said, we were briefed that over 75,000 Russians have either been killed or wounded in Ukraine, which is huge, that over 80% of their land forces are bogged down, and that they're tired. Yeah, well, they still have missiles and um, long-range ability to hit various uh, Ukrainian cities, and they've taken a lot of land. That roughly correlates to the number of casualties estimated by CIA Director William Burns on July 20. Burns said that Ukrainian soldiers have suffered as well, but probably a little less than enemy forces. More recently, Ukrainian President Zelensky's senior advisor said military casualties were between 100 and 200 a day. The problem is about a third of the Ukrainian people have left Ukraine or have been forcibly removed from Ukraine. So it's a much smaller population. The uh, Russian population is about four times larger, even though it's not massive. And, of course, the Ukrainians didn't have a big military buildup, which is why it needs our support. The uh, head of the Russian invasion, Russia had amassed around 150,000 troops, while British Prime Minister Boris Johnson claimed 200,000 were stationed on Ukraine's border. No figure had been disclosed by the Russians. The Russians say they've lost uh, 1,351 because they're so truthful. You know that. I hope we continue 
as a people to support the Ukrainians. I hope you ignore the Putinoids. Have you noticed they never, ever criticize Putin? They never criticize his tactics, his death camps and torture camps, the rapes, the shipping of, of Ukrainians into Russia for slave purposes. They never say a damn thing. It reminds me of the black and white films from World War II. It reminds me of what was taking place in, in Europe. The attempt to annihilate an entire people. The mass movement of an entire people. It reminds me of the things I read about in the, in the films we saw with Stalin. And Putin likes Stalin. He's resurrected Stalin. And so when you have people in our country who sit behind their desks or sit in a chair or sit in Congress or former this or former that who served, you know, in a winky dink in Iceland or something, coming on air, writing pieces about, look at our economy, look at our budgets, look at our border. Why should we help? And my answer is quite simple. Before Russia invaded Ukraine, this administration was destroying this country already. The border was open. The spending was relentless and reckless. Inflation had kicked in. Higher gas prices had kicked in. The war against oil had kicked in. The war against our morality, our heritage had kicked in. So if we don't support Ukraine with military weaponry, these things will be fixed. What a stupid argument. What a stupid argument. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Teresa, XM Satellite, Palm Springs, California, where it must be hot because it's summer and you're in the desert. How are you? Yes. You've assured me I'm not going to melt, so this is great. No, you'll be fine. <laughs> Doing great. <laughs> thank you so much for taking my call. And thank you, Mark, just for everything that you do. We're fighting the good fight as best we can out here. It's in tough, California. I know. Palm Springs yes, is nice, though. It is, and we actually live in the mountains above, near Joshua Tree National Park. Oh, so, so it's a little it's cooler. Really Good for pretty. you. Yes, it is. It is. Hey, I wanted to tell your listeners, um, since you're so pro-Constitution, our amazing document, there is a free contest on YouTube um, to create a Constitution skit video, and the script for the skit is free. The contest hmm. is free. And um, just to bring awareness to um, the fact that the Constitution is readable, understandable. So you do a skit. Um, there's, so the way it works is there's a um, contest. Well, where do people go? Free. Let me ask it that way. Okay. So go to YouTube. Yes. The um, channel is Plays in Days. That's spelled yes. P-L-A-Y-S-I-N. Days, D-A-Y-S. Yes. And if they type in Plays in Days Constitution Video Contest, 
Yeah. Um, it'll come right up, and a little video will tell them. Now, may I ask you, uh, people have questions about you. I assume you, when you do the skit, you need to be clothed, correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is correct. And I well, think I uh, no so. kid faces. Yeah, they need to be 18 or over. All um, right. And so the, the basic rules are there. and But I just think it's a great way to get people uh, realizing that they can actually understand the Constitution and that they should. This you got it. I want to thank you very, very much, Teresa. Thank you. To whom else shall I speak, Mr. Producer? The great K-Dawn, K-D-W-N-J-D, Las Vegas. Now, I wish I were there so I could do a little blackjack. How are you, sir? I wish you were here, too. Uh, thank you for that interview with Cash Patel. That, that was the most verifying details of facts that uh, you have presented there than probably the entire seven or eight hearings. Mm -hmm. I listened very intently to Brett Baer's questioning Sunday of Liz Cheney. And at the end of the interview, he pressed her a little bit and said there's been talk that the president authorized 20,000 National Guard members. She hemmed and hawed, but then she finally said, according to Assistant Miller, Secretary of Defense, President Trump did not authorize the National Guard leading the order. Order or authorize? uh, Authorize. Leading the American people to believe he did nothing to stop the riots. As I understand your your interview, he authorized it, but he could not enact anything until Bowser or Pelosi or the or the police, Capitol Police said yes, send them because of our law. So she did direct order it right there she yeah, she's knew, a liar she knew the facts and she said he did not uh, miller did too did not i suggest you listen to the last two or three minutes with bear on yeah. last sunday and you will have her as an attorney you would be able to dismiss this case right then and there because and by the way do you know she's an attorney i did oh yeah slip and fall all right my friend thank you for your call las vegas great call who else mr producer Cheyenne, Wyoming, on the Mark Levin app. Michelle, how are you? Yes, it's fine. Thank you, Mr. Levin. Yes, uh, ma'am. Just quickly, I wanted to say how interesting it is that when Hillary Clinton performed those egregious abuses of the law, she got excused mm-hmm. by Comey that she didn't mean anything bad or wrong. So you agree with me, she should be in an orange jumpsuit in a cell... Uh, with a cellmate called uh, Belinda. I agree with you. Ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) I salute all the heroes out there. God bless you. And I'll see you tomorrow. Be well.